Dishing up tasty morsels of tarot wisdom. Oracle Soup with your host, Katrina Wynn and Gina Thies, two saucy sisters, broadcasting from the magnificent Oregon coast and from deep in the heart of Texas. And inviting your questions about tarot, oracles, counseling skills, reading advice, and more. On Facebook, like our Oracle Soup page and share your wisdom. Soup is hot and it's ready to be served. Welcome everyone to Oracle Soup. This is Gina Thies in the kitchen doing another podcast with my Dear friend, Katrina Wen. hello, how are you today? Hello, all of our Oracle Soup friends, and we're so happy to have you here with us. Yes, we are. Um, how's it been going? Are you staying busy? I am always busy. I do not know the meaning of the word boredom. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just recently met a, a new friend. I was taking uh, an advanced aromatherapy class. This person was new to the community and, and young, just a few years younger than I was when I first moved here. And they were talking about how maybe there were cliques and they weren't making so many friends. And I said, you know, this is a very rural area and the people who tend to live here are people who are kind of keeping to themselves. So I don't think it's because they don't want to include you in their clique. There just isn't a clique. <laughs> we just know each other and we either say, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that person last year. <laughs> I could be right down the street from somebody and not see them for a year. I've had people come up to me and go, uh, do you still live here? I go, uh, yeah. So never bored have a very full life. It isn't necessarily full of social events, <laughs> even though I do socialize occasionally. Ah, oh, work, 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 and no play. I have a similar issue. I, I never see any of my neighbors. I don't know if they're, you know, what's going on. I see some, like the, the guy that lives directly across the street from me. I think I've seen him for the first time in more than eight months. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not quite a, a, as rural as your area, but uh, we have uh, close neighbors and I, I rarely get to see them. Hey, I have a question for you. What do you call the people that uh, come to you for readings or counseling? Do you, do you use the term querent? I think when I'm teaching, I use the word querent, but on an everyday basis, I probably use the word client because I use that same word for counseling clients as I do for tarot clients. I actually talk about this a little bit in my book, the introduction to tarot counseling, because to me, the querent could be me. I could be the querent. But if the person is not me and I'm helping them and I'm the reader, supposedly, then to me, they're the client. So I kind of differentiate. It helps so that when I'm using that language in writing or teaching, people hopefully will know, oh, I'm talking about... uh, a relationship with an outside person or I'm talking about a relationship with an inside person, me. 
Well, that's very interesting. I um, often will use questioner or the seeker and um, just was curious, but one of the things we'll be talking about is the querent or the questioner and the relationships, since you mentioned relationships, that we are the querent or the seeker has with a reader. So reader querent relationships is what we're going to be talking about. So this is going to be one of those really uh, flavorful <laughs> topics for Oracle <laughs> Soup in the kitchen. Food for thought. Okay, so we'll be talking about that. And we lo I'm looking forward to this one. Thanks for tuning in to Oracle Soup. Pull up a chair and join Gina and Katrina for a bowl of warm and nourishing conversation. Coming up next... Gina and Katrina in the kitchen with you, and today we're going to talk about something that, well, let's just say there's a lot of gray areas, and we wanted to explore it together with you, give you some ideas and some perspectives, and Gina came up with this topic, and she was asking, uh, what do you call the person that you're working with? Is that person a querent? Are they a client? And what if they happen to be a friend or a family member, right, Gina? Those are some of the things we're talking about. Oh, yeah. We were talking about handling or dealing with people that uh, seek your advice, seek your help. And what's the relationship like and what boundaries do you, you set? Especially I've had a lot of people who are friends or associates that want to get readings. Uh, and so it's like, is the information different? Do you, how do you set boundaries? Are they taking the advice or the, um, the insight or the introspection as serious when it's like someone who's very, very close to you? I guess I was reading something one time that talked about, is your therapist supposed to be your friend or why your mm. therapist shouldn't be your friend? And so I thought it'd be really interesting to really talk to, um, talk about that, especially from your wonderful perspective as usual. And, um, you know, maybe even some of the things over the years that you've had to confront in terms of reading for someone and they think, you know, the relationship carries on and you build a friendship or should you build a friendship out of being a person's uh, counselor? Boy, and there's no right, wrong, yes, no response to that, to tell you the truth. Well, let me start by talking about as a counselor, and we've talked about some of this before. So if I'm a counselor and someone wants to come to me for a tarot reading, I try to keep those appointments separate. But then you're asking an even deeper question. The question is, should I even do a tarot reading with someone who maybe is already a counseling client? And um, I would say that is like a 50-50 thing because there are times where looking back, I go, you know what? Even though that person seemed really ready and really wanted that tarot reading, I feel like we hadn't gotten far enough in our counseling relationship yet to introduce that. And they were just kind of jumping the gun. And I thought it might be useful, but looking back, I don't think it was so useful. Uh, there's other times where it can bring in an, a whole other perspective or element that's very helpful. And then it goes back into the counseling session. Like we unveiled something through tarot or astrology or numerology, and it was useful because it reflected back to what we were doing in counseling. So it can be a tool that takes us back there. But it isn't always necessarily the right tool or the timing may not be right. So those are some things to consider and it's hard to know exactly what's going to be the best. Now in the counseling world, there is a very clear 
and it's not just a guideline, it's a rule where you're not supposed to make friendships out of through your clients and, and other things that could be considered boundary violations. And I just for a moment want to speak to that in a positive way because there's very good reasons for having that in place. A lot of it has to do with either the actual relationship dynamics and how the philosophy in the background in terms of uh, how your client sees you or respects you or feels safe around you. So those boundaries are very, very, very important. The other side of it has to do with power differentials and the fact that the moment you step into the role of being the counselor or the reader – you're often just handed a great deal of power and authority over that person's life. And so in order to protect that from being misused, that's why we have these boundaries in place. And you, you know, the, the worst examples you've probably heard of is when maybe a counselor takes sexual advantage of a client, which is completely inappropriate. So, And we can all agree upon that. But then what about those other areas that are a little more gray? I had to say in my own life, I have made friends of counseling clients on occasion. And the other way around, sometimes I have friends that come in to me for counseling. But do I have a blanket rule about that? No, it's on a case-by-case basis. Well, one of the things in my experience... um one of, I guess one of the parameters for me is um, I have a lot of people that I know and have worked with in all kinds of have different relationships with when it comes down to reading, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you're a reader. I can get a free reading. So that's a big that's a big thing. What I have had to um, kind of condition myself and it's really, really hard is to is to kind of say to say, you know, this is what I do for a living. And so if, you know, the moment you start doing free readings, that opens up a can of worms that you have got to do the other, you know, somebody else, oh, you gave me a reading for free. So you can't go and charge, you know, it's very, it gets very, very messy uh, to, to not. So I just said, you know, my, my, the, the foundation is it's, it's what I do for a living. And would you like to set an appointment? And this is what I charge. You know, it's like, well, you if you go to my website, you'll see what I charge. That's basically the conversation that I put out there, because it's like, once you do it for free for one person, you know, now there are times I don't I don't mean to say that I don't do readings for people that are close to me and have to charge them. But it's just uh, once you open up that can of worms, you it's very, very hard to kind of reel it back in. And the other thing about professionalism is not just um, it's not just having a demeanor of being a professional, but it's also about understanding that this is a specialized skill and your friends or even family need to understand that it is a specialized skill and you um, in picking up whatever tool you use, if you decide, especially for other people. Now, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't read for other people. I think you still have a sense of uh, responsibility to to the craft or to the art in terms of looking the, you know, carrying the responsibility and being professional and the authoritative role um, that you speak to very, very important. You have a level of expertise or when a person comes to you, there's an expectation of a level of expertise. So it's very, very important to understand that this person may see you as um, 
an authoritative figure and um, big issue to take advantage, even in giving advice that you or, you know, looking at areas or uh, that you may not have any particular knowledge about. I think that's another gray area to be really, really careful about. And uh, when you're looking at things for other people, because it could immediately switch over into something that, um, um, you, you know, it's like you have to really, really be careful in what you say to people uh, and also the relationship that you have with anyone that you're doing readings for or um, giving advice to is about trust. And another point would be, what if you, as the friend of a person who comes in for a reading, uh, maybe you they either assume or they think that you have special knowledge about them or you're utilizing special knowledge that you may have about them because they're your friend or they're your, your family member. And how do you differentiate that? How do you differentiate the information that's coming from the reading itself from what you already know about that person? And I know I talk about this in great detail in all my classes classes because I really try to teach my students the difference between a subjective reading and an objective reading and how to differentiate my stuff from your stuff from what the tarot stuff is <laughs> and to see where they overlap, maybe where they separate. Sometimes it's useful to have a little background information that you already know, but not to assume necessarily that that's where you're going with the reading. So that's another area where I think we have to tread uh, carefully and cautiously. When I often read for people that I have knowledge about, I will differentiate and say, I know this about you and this is something that this may speak to. So I just kind of let them know, but it's also I have to go into what isn't the obvious to them. And sometimes it's very, very much like you just have to, you know, kind of let it come up because it's like it's part of the storyline, so to speak. Um, one of the last things I think is important to this is uh, looking at what what your role is and goes back to defining what services you offer um, and what you set yourself up as in terms of, you know, the role that you're playing. Are you, um, there's a, there's a student teacher role and um, you know, it's, so it's, you know, whatever service you offer, um, if you decide that you're doing it as a therapeutic type of, you know, that's how you define your services. So you need to understand what they're being very, very cautious about, you know, what, what you title yourself or what role you put yourself into. Yeah. Now on the flip side, though, I'd like to make a really fun suggestion. And it's a way to kind of open up that conversation and at the same time, educate people about the value of what your service is. So it's not uncommon with certain very dear friends of mine that if a birthday or a special event comes around, I actually have gift cards that I have made up. I mean, they're very similar to the ones that when people purchase a gift reading from me, the gift certificate, it's very similar. So uh, on it, it'll just say, you know, happy birthday or whatever that special event is. And uh, this is good for one hour reading with blah, 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 blah. And then in there, I can put in a value of and then what I would normally be charging a client for that reading and that way they get the gift but they also realize what the value of it is and I might even have an expiration date on there it kind of lets them know that if you want to take advantage of this 
here's the date to do it by. Don't just think you're going to hold on to this forever and then whip it out. <laughs> I love that. I love, I absolutely love that. I just usually tell people, yes, I, I do this professionally. <laughs> well, what does that mean? That means, yes, I charge and I, you know, <laughs> professionally. And so, and, you know, tell them it's part of my work. So in the beginning, um, I know there are uh, novice readers that are, you know, professional readers that want to charge and really struggle with the, how do I charge if I can charge and what do I do about competing with people that do free readings or people are, are the expectation is to, I know you, so you'll do my readings for free. Well, I have a great suggestion about that too, okay. because keep in mind, we are constant learning new things, new styles. And so the whole idea is when you're a student, you want to practice with your family or your friends, right? <laughs> there are guinea pigs, what can I say? So let's say you're more advanced, you're more experienced, and somebody comes to you and they want a reading. You go, you know what? If you want to, in my case, I might say, if you want a tarot reading, my first reading is always an hour long and it's this amount. But you know what? I'm, I'm learning this new style called Lenamon. Would you mind if we did a practice reading together? And so that way they get their reading and I get to practice and it's still a win-win situation. So I just want to say it's never too late to share or introduce people to what we do, but you don't always have to put it in the setting of a professional reading if you're getting the advantage of practicing. That's that's true. That's true because there's always something you need to try out. Um, I think the first line of defense is reading for self. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, to make sure there's like nothing kind of weird happens. But of course, I mean, and this is another reason to go to conferences and go to meetups and network. You get to, you can get to swap readings with other other readers and try different things out as well. So that's always fun. Always. All right. And then last, there's just those special times. Let's say, Gina, a crisis showed up in your life. And you, you know, contacted me and you go, Katrina, do you just have 30 minutes to kind of explore this with me? And, of course, my heart would go out to you and go, of course, Gina, let's just do it. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, you know, I have so many uh, tarot friends like yourself. You know, I'm, I'm, I actually have never really taken advantage of, of, of that. So I'll have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well on that Thanks. note i think we've covered this topic pretty darn well <laughs> i think so too it's been really really fun as usual and so again i'd like to remind our listeners that we are here for you and we are looking forward to your comments your feedbacks and also your suggestions for future topics spending time with us at Oracle Soup. We invite your comments and topic suggestions on our Facebook page, also named Oracle Soup. Be sure to visit our website, oraclesoup.wordpress.com for hot new servings of our saucy talks, as well as past podcasts stored in our Oracle Soup pantry. And visit our individual websites and learn more about our dynamic offerings. Katrina Wynn at tarotcounseling.org. Counseling is spelled C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G. And .org is like Oregon. Gina Thies at tarotadvisor.com. 
Advisor spelled A D V I S O R. This podcast is intended only to provide a summary and general overview on matters of interest. It is not intended to be comprehensive, nor does it constitute legal advice or legal opinion. You should seek legal or other professional advice before acting or relying on any of the content. And thanks again for listening to Oracle Soup. Y'all come back now.